Hello, I hope you're all doing well this morning or this afternoon, whatever time it is when you're you're watching or wherever you're at right now live. Um, hope things are going well. Hope your week is starting off uh, really, really well. Uh, you know, I, I want to say explosively, but like in a good way, you know, like things are just happening and and, and moving. And so, uh, good morning. So. Glad you're here with me. I want to talk today about faith and, I don't know, a couple different things. And so um, yesterday, well, this year we have been uh, in Haggai. Uh, That's been one of our main uh, uh, scriptures for this year, for 2023. And in that, it talks about uh, consider your ways, you know, think carefully and Angie talked yesterday about consider your ways and and using Haggai I had talked about the name of God out of there and how it means the Lord of powers and <clears throat> excuse me the Lord of the angel armies a, a general who is distinguished uh, true regal righteous and um, and how in there in the book of Haggai it says think carefully consider your ways. And that this isn't just some uh, uh, clever thing for God to say to get you thinking. It's a warning and a command at the same time. And so it, it's it, it's something we need to take very seriously. And and the series we're in is Jubilant Soul. And, and in that we're allowing God to sweep out every crevice and corner of, of our soul. And uh, allowing him to do the work that he's wanting to do in us. And, and that may look like the, the stripping away of some things and, uh, putting something else, uh, in its place. Um, what we have to understand, uh, is that this is ultimately a process that is in our best interest, uh, regardless of how it it may feel in the moment, how, um, how our experience of that may be, um, it's still something that is in our best interest for for God to come in and sweep out every crevice and corner and and put in place what it is He wants to put in place for us. It's something about you know it's about keeping our eyes fixed on Jesus and the promise He's given each of us, um, and that's also part of what I want to talk about today is the the promise. Uh, I talk about that a lot and. Uh, and focusing on it uh, because it keeps you from becoming uh, stagnant uh, with fear leading you. Uh, we don't want to be led by fear because when you're led by fear, you're, you're more often than not led to a place where there's no movement and uh, no advancement of the kingdom. Just that, that foul smelling green water of stagnation and, and nobody wants to be in that. So one of the things I want to highlight in in keeping our focus on the promise uh, is that we don't make the promise an idol uh, because that's something that can that can happen. Uh, we we don't want to use the, the the plunder that God has provided. And if you want to hear more about that plunder, go back to Friday and listen to Angie's broadcast. Uh, we we don't want to use the plunder that God has has provided us uh, or, or is bringing to us to create an idol. 
uh, to to make an idol uh, that we worship, uh, because you know we, we've talked about it before. You're you're always worshiping something. So what is it that you're worshiping? So the promises we are given by God uh, can be the very things that He asks us to offer up. Uh, and, and if that happens, we have to think carefully and really consider our ways and, and thinking and, and considering uh, our faith. Uh, will your faith stand a test? Uh, will you be proved faithful in the face of adversity? Right, we start from a place of victory. We overcome, we persist, uh, are resilient and resolute uh, only to be asked to lay our promise down on the altar and sacrifice it. Right? That, that's something that, that can happen. It's something that has happened. And, and, you know, when thinking about God clearing out every crevice and corner of our praise and worship of him, uh, are we worshiping the promise or are we worshiping the one uh, who gave us the promise? I believe it's important to examine this because we can quickly and easily find ourselves doing this uh, and it's not a place you want to be. Uh, one of the questions uh, Angie asked us to think carefully upon uh, yesterday in, in considering our ways was uh, in, in what ways would you want God to be different from who he is? How, how do you want to, edit him? That's a pretty harsh question because we do that. Uh, uh, both of these questions, they, they get to the matter of, of faith that I, I want to discuss today. Uh, when we are uh, in a situation where we must uh, exercise faith that, that God is going to provide whatever it is, it's uh, easy to fall into a space where we uh, want to edit God and, and what he's doing because it's uncomfortable. Or, or we think we have, uh, excuse me, we think and, and have more belief in, in ourselves uh, to provide it in our own strength uh, rather than relying on him and his strength. So when God shows you uh, the, the difference between gifting and anointing, uh, we have to have faith that he's leading us in the right direction. We have to believe that he's leading us to the necessary provision. So I want to look at Genesis 22 with you, the, the story of Abraham, uh, Abraham's faith in action. And, and we all know Abraham was given a promise uh, that he would have a son. And that promise was given uh, about 25 years before Isaac was born. In the research I've done, it was uh, it seems to be 25 years between the time of the promise and the time Isaac was born. So in that time, we know that Abraham attempted to fulfill the promise in his own strength, uh, uh, in his own understanding of what that looked like. He had, uh, if he had thought carefully and, and considered his ways, would he have uh, persisted and not attempted to do what God said he would do? Would, would he have really reasoned with himself that, hey, I'm about to do God's job, what he said he was going to do. If he'd really thought and, and considered the actions he was about to take, I, I don't know. 
but I would like to think so. I, I would like to think that he would have reconsidered what he was about to do had he had he taken the time to do that. Uh, but in their own understanding and estimation of what was possible in their natural condition between him and Sarah, um, I, I have understanding that it would be difficult to wait. I can see the, the the difficulty in that conversation, uh, but eventually the the promise that God made was fulfilled. We know that, and and it's something we need to be cognizant of. We know that God is going to fulfill His promises, and so we need to make sure that we're waiting on Him and, and considering what it is we're about to do. Think carefully about the actions we're about to take. But uh, it, it was. Uh, then after the, the promise was fulfilled that uh, we know God put Abraham to the test uh, and not so uh, Abraham would fail, but to prove his faith. God asked Abraham to do something that had to be absolutely gut wrenching. And I, I know that each one of us, we want to be known for, for having faith like Abraham. But are you ready to demonstrate that faith through your actions? Are you willing to sacrifice your promise? Uh, really give it uh, up if God asks. It's easy to say yes. It really is easy to say yes to that. But in, in careful consideration and thinking about your ways, are you willing to, to put into action the faith that you desire? And so uh, I, I want to read this story to you because uh, I have some other things I want to read to you in a minute uh, to, to really kind of uh, let this sink in in the different ways it could go. So I'm uh, going to read uh, Genesis 22. It says, sometime later, God tested Abraham. He said, Abraham, yes, I'm here. Abraham answered. God said, please take your son, your only son, Isaac, whom I know you dearly love, and go to the land of Moriah. Offer him up to me as a burnt offering on one of the mountains, which I will show you. Very interesting here is, first off, God says, please. He, he asks him to do this. But I also thought it was interesting. He says, take your son, your only son. So, so God wasn't even recognizing Abraham's uh, attempt to fulfill the promise in his own strength at this point when he's asking him this. If he's saying, please take your only son, he only recognized Isaac. Even though we know he was taking care of Hagar and Ishmael. Okay. But he says, please take your only son. He says, offer him up on the, the uh, up to me as a burnt offering on the mountains, which I will show you early the next morning. Abraham cut the wood for the burnt offering, loaded it on his donkey, and set out for the distant place God had shown him. He took with him two of his servants and his son Isaac. So we don't know what time of the day God asked him to do this, but early the next morning, Abraham got up and started to go out and, and prepare and then left right away. Did not delay. On the third day, Abraham looked up and saw the place in the distance. Stay here with the donkey, Abraham told the young men. Isaac and I will go up and worship. Then we will return to you. 
So Abraham took the wood for the burnt offering and placed it on Isaac's back. Abraham carried the knife and the fire, and the two of them walked up the mountain together. Father, Isaac broke the silence. Yes, my son, Abraham replied. We have the wood and the fire, Isaac said. But where is the lamb for the burnt offering? Abraham answered, My son, God himself will provide the lamb for an offering. So they went on together. I just absolutely love this because when you're you're reading the Old Testament, you can just see direct lines, a, a direct point to Jesus. Abraham took the wood and, and put it on Isaac's back, just like Jesus carried his cross. And, and we know God was in Jesus was providing his own sacrifice to, to bring us all back into right standing forever, to make a way for that. And so I just, I love being able to read this and, and being able to see Jesus and all these things. And, and so I don't want to miss that, but yes, it is a good question uh, <laughs> that Isaac asked. All right. Verse nine, when they arrived when they arrived at the place on Mount Moriah that God had shown him, Abraham built an altar and stacked the wood on it. He tied up his son Isaac and laid him on top of the wood on the altar. Then Abraham took the knife in his hand to plunge it into his son. But the angel of Yahweh called to him from heaven, saying, Abraham, Abraham. Yes, I'm here, he answered. Do not lay a hand on the boy or harm him, he said. For now, I know you are fully dedicated to me, since you did not withhold your son, your beloved son, from me. As Abraham looked up, his eyes fell upon a ram caught by its horns in a nearby thicket. Abraham took the ram and sacrificed it on the altar as a burnt offering in Isaac's place. So Abraham named the place Yahweh appears. Even to this day, it is said, on Yahweh's mountain, there is vision. Yahweh's angel spoke a second time from heaven. I solemnly promise you, by the glory of my own name, decrees Yahweh, because you have obeyed my voice and did not withhold me, hold from me your son, your beloved son, I will greatly bless you. I will make sure your seed becomes as numerous as the stars of heaven and as the sand of the seashore. Your offspring will take possession of the city gates and their enemies. Because you have obeyed me, the entire world will be blessed through your seed. So Abraham and Isaac returned to the waiting servants, and they departed for Beersheba, where Abraham had settled. Excuse me. I want to make sure that we catch what's happening there. That there was a heart of obedience there that was, was even in, in a, a natural perspective of what he was about to do. There was, uh, um, from what I can read in the different translations, a heart there that said, I am, I'm willing God, I, I'm going to do what you ask. I don't understand it, but I'm going. I don't know all the answers, but I'm going. I don't know what the outcome is going to be, but I'm going. I, I know you have good things for me. 
the posture of obedience, the heart behind the faith, it could have been different. And thus taking the resulting picture of faith in a much different direction. And so I want to read now uh, um, from a book here about Abraham. And it, it's it's some different perspectives about how how this could have played out and how the result could have been much different. And so it's a, it's a few different scenarios and, and uh, bear with me on this. I, I think you'll, you'll be able to take something from it. So it says it was early in the morning. Abraham arose. He had the donkey saddled, left his tent and Isaac with him. But Sarah looked out the window after them until they had passed down the valley and she could see them no more. They rode in silence for three days. On the morning of the fourth day, Abraham said never a word, but he lifted up his eyes and saw Mount Moriah afar off. He left the young men behind and went on alone with Isaac beside him up to the mountain. But Abraham said to himself, I will not conceal from Isaac whether this course leads him. He stood still. He laid his hand upon the head of Isaac in benediction, and Isaac bowed to receive the blessing. And Abraham, <clears throat> excuse me, and Abraham's face was fatherliness. His look was mild, his speech encouraging, but Isaac was unable to understand him. His soul could not be exalted. He embraced Abraham's knees. He fell at his feet imploringly. He begged for his young life. For the fair hope of his future, he called to mind the joy in Abraham's house. He called to mind the sorrow and loneliness. Then Abraham lifted up the boy. He walked with him by his side, and his talk was full of comfort and exhortation. But Isaac could not understand him. He climbed Mount Moriah, but Isaac understood him not. Then for an instant, he turned away from him. And when Isaac saw again Abraham's face, it was changed. His glance was wild. His form was horror. He seized Isaac by the throat, threw him to the ground, and said, Stupid boy, dost thou then suppose that I am thy father? I am an idolater. Dost thou suppose that this is God's bidding? No, it is my desire. Then Isaac trembled and cried out in his terror, O God in heaven, have compassion upon me. God of Abraham, have compassion upon me. If I have no father upon earth, be thou my father. But Abraham in a low voice said to himself, O Lord in heaven, I thank thee. After all, it is better for him to believe that I am a monster rather than he should lose faith in thee. That's a very interesting one because if, if the heart posture is to make somebody believe something different about you than who you really are, so as to try and control their faith in the future, it's not going to really sit well. It's probably not going to play out the way that uh, it would if, if you weren't straightforward about your faith, if you weren't putting your faith first. And, and so in this scenario, this, this imaginary scenario here, it, it, Abraham reasoned that it would be better for
for Isaac to believe he's a monster rather than losing his own, than Isaac losing his faith in God. I, I don't know if that would actually work. Here's the second one. It says it was early in the morning. Abraham arose. He embraced Sarah, the bride of his old age. And Sarah kissed Isaac, who had taken away her reproach, who was her pride, her hope for all time. So they rode on in silence along the way. And Abraham's glance was fixed upon the ground until the fourth day when he lifted up his eyes and saw far off Mount Moriah. But his glance turned again to the ground. Silently, he laid the wood in order. He bound Isaac in silence. He drew the knife. Then he saw the ram which God had prepared. Then he offered that and returned home. From that time on, Abraham became old. He could not forget that God had required this of him. Isaac throve as before, but Abraham's eyes were darkened and he knew joy no more. In this heart posture, we see there that he just couldn't couldn't come to terms with, with God asking him to uh, lay the promise on the altar and sacrifice what he had been promised and waited so long for. And how that story plays out differently for the rest of Abraham's life. We don't have this, this model and example of faith anymore. Yes, he followed through, but his heart posture was one like, God, I can't forgive you for this. I can't find it in my heart to come back to you, to turn back to you. Here's a, a another possible story that could have made it much different. It says it was early morning. Abraham arose. He kissed Sarah, the young mother, and Sarah kissed Isaac, her delight, her joy at all times. And Abraham rode pensively along the way. He thought of Hagar and the son whom he drove out into the wilderness. He climbed Mount Moriah. He drew the knife. It was a quiet evening when Abraham rode out alone and he rode to Mount Moriah. He threw himself upon his face. He prayed God to forgive him his sin that he had been willing to offer Isaac, that the father had forgotten his duty toward the son. Often he rode his lonely way, but he found no rest. He could not comprehend that it was a sin to be willing to offer to God the best thing he possessed, that for which he would many times have given his life. And if it was a sin, if he had not loved Isaac as he did, then he could not understand that it might be forgiven. For what sin could be more dreadful? In this instance, his heart posture was seeing obedience as a sin. Obedience to God being a sin. That's that's really kind of a rough thing to to think about. And there's no there's no faith in that story to to put into action. It's just uh, he sees this. He he has such a love for Isaac that he can't imagine that this isn't sin. One last one here. I want to read to you. It was early evening. It was early in the morning. Everything was prepared for the journey in Abraham's house. He bade Sarah farewell, and Eleazar, the faithful servant, followed him along the way until he turned back. They rode together in harmony, Abraham and Isaac, until they came to Mount Moriah. But Abraham prepared everything for the sacrifice, 
calmly and quietly. But when he turned and drew the knife, Isaac saw that his left hand was clenched in despair, that a tremor passed through his body, but Abraham drew the knife. Then they returned again home, and Sarah hastened to meet them, but Isaac had lost his faith. No word of this had ever been spoken in the world, and Isaac never talked to anyone about what he had seen, and Abraham did not suspect that anyone had seen. It's really an interesting take on that to, to say that now because of, of his father's obedience, now he is losing his faith. The, the heart posture that we take in, in obedience matters because the, the story could play out much differently if, if the obedience isn't uh, uh, full and, and complete. And, and we have to, to know that our obedience, people aren't always going to understand what you're doing in exercising faith. It may look foolish to them, utterly ridiculous, uh, but they aren't the object of your obedience. They aren't uh, the one you are praising and worshiping. This is this is part of, of the dying daily. It is not considering what your faith looks like to others, uh, but focusing on what it looks like to God. Allow yourself to, to wander in these stories, to, to see how, how you're offended, what, what comes up in you uh, that you want to, that you may want to edit. Because it, it's, it's clear in that moment that this is something that God is wanting to touch, something he's wanting to, to clear out, something that's been in the corner that, that needs to be taken care of. So allow yourself to wander in that, you know, uh, uh, and and see if if you've allowed yourself to wander to Mount Moriah to see what it looks like, to test yourself and your response and being obedient to sacrifice your promise. Asking yourself, am I so brave as as Abraham to put faith into action when God calls? This really makes me think back to, to when my son was born. I didn't, I didn't have to raise the knife, but in an instant, I had to put faith into action. Gosh, I went through this earlier trying to uh, make it through without <clears throat> getting too emotional here, but uh I wasn't asked to raise the, knife, raise the knife, but in an instant, I had to put a, a faith into action and, and knowing that God was in control and, and would provide. Uh, my wife and I, we have four children. Uh, three older ones are girls, and, and our youngest is a boy. And we wanted a boy really badly. Uh, my wife, Tiffany, and I had even uh, had a hard time believing the doctor when, uh, when we had the ultrasound and he told us it was a boy. Uh, it was, uh, you know, our hope was high, uh, but, you know, we had to see him with our own eyes to really believe it after uh, three girls. And so uh, the time finally came uh, and, and it started rough 
um, there was some bleeding. We went to the, the doctor and lasted all night. And, uh, and finally he was delivered. And the plan was for the doctor to put him up on my wife and I was going to cut the cord. Um, but then I saw him delivered and it was blue. Uh, the cord that was uh, providing the the nutrients and the, and the sustenance was now choking the life out of him. But I knew God was in control and, and that this boy was his. My son belongs to God first. And and I watched as, as the doctor grabbed the cord from around his neck and, and, and just began cutting. And, and she was very fast in her response, uh, uh, something obviously that she trained for and, and um, had become instinctual to be able to take care of problems. And I was standing there and my, my heart was just kind of free falling out of my chest and I felt like I really felt like I was going to be sick. But I, I quickly knew that what my next action should be. And it wasn't an instinctual action because there, there's no planning for this. There was never any any mind to prepare for for what was happening in this moment. It was uh, uh, definitely a reaction prompted by uh, Jesus you know, the, the author and finisher of our faith. And so I, I quickly turned around. I, I grabbed my wife's head and pulled her away from where they were taking him. And she was pleading to know what was happening, asking what's going on. And, and I ignored her question and just asked my own. Who does he belong to? Who does he belong to? And, and she answered, he belongs to God. And we both agreed in that. And um, our boy breathed, he cried. And our dramatic scene was uh, turned to one of jubilation and you know, from the outside looking at it, I don't know how dramatic it was. Um, for the two of us, it was it was quite dramatic. Um, you know, we weren't asked to to wield the knife to intentionally sacrifice our son, uh, but I walked away from that feeling as though my faith my faith had moved to a really new level that day, and. My response wasn't uh, from instinct, trained or otherwise, um, but what should be an instinctual response for us is uh, is faith, is is quick obedience and faith in the moment without hesitation. Jesus is always swift to respond. And um, 
and that should be our instinctual response is to be quick to faith. It's, it's important to, it's important to consider our ways to, to heed the warning, to be obedient to the command, uh, to think carefully and consider our ways. It's important to, to put our faith into action, to understand that God wants to, to clean out every corner and crevice of our soul and, and to do so for your own good, not, not so you will fail, but so you'll be free. It's, it's unto freedom that, that God is wanting to, to clean out every crevice and corner of our soul. And I think it's important for us to be able to put faith into action and, and be quickly obedient and without hesitation to, to do what God's asking. Even if he is asking you to, to take your promise and, and put it on an altar and sacrifice it, he's going to provide So just remember, it is unto freedom that that he's doing this. It's 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 so we won't be crushed by his glory that he's bringing. That is out of the word from twenty twenty three. Be sure to go read it. Uh, Yeah. So uh, I, I know this is a little longer than I normally talk on a Monday morning, so I appreciate your patience, but I felt it important to share some of these things, particularly as it relates to faith and, and, and following through with allowing God to clean out every crevice and corner of the soul embracing this this jubilee year of the soul and everything that comes with it every uh pain-filled memory that comes up allow him to touch it allow him to clean that out don't don't deny what it is that he's doing uh if offense comes up don't try to edit god because of that Allow him to touch it. Allow him to, to heal what it is he's wanting to heal in you. It's, it's for your freedom. All right. I love you all. Have a great week.